Thank you for listening to a message from the Oak Haven Church. The following sermon was recorded during our Sunday morning worship service. We hope that this message will be helpful to you and encourage you to explore the Word of God. And now, this week's message. So, as I mentioned earlier, this is our final week in our series on the Holy Spirit. We've been looking at the Spirit through the lens of how Jesus promises its coming in Acts 1. You will receive power from on high, and you will be my witnesses. So that as we've looked through different passages and aspects of the Spirit, we've looked for that aspect of bearing witness to Jesus that the Spirit empowers. Because as we bear witness to him, as we bear his image, in fact, we bear witness to him. And so we've talked about how the Spirit gives us words. The Holy Spirit will give you the right words when the time comes. That's a very clear part of bearing witness, but our lives are also bearing witness as well. In our walk with Him, as we keep in step with the Spirit, God empowers us to walk with Him, to look like Him, to bear His image that bears witness to those around us. And so we talked about how the Spirit gives gifts to empower us and establish this community where faith can be built and nurtured and sent out to tell others, to bear witness to others about Jesus. Um, last time we talked about, <coughs> pardon me, the fruit of the Spirit, which is the part where we look the most like Jesus, where the Spirit bears this fruit in us. In Our personalities are changed by the Spirit's presence. And <laughs> we've got to talk about whatever jokes were flying back and forth uh, uh, between you guys last week, because we also looked at how, how Paul talks about the this, this fragrance of Christ being spread through us. We are the aroma of Christ to God. And remember last week I walked through the aisles tearing open an orange just as an illustration of how bearing the fruit of the Spirit in our lives is something that's not just for us. It's something that other people, if you will, can smell and we concluded that we will smell like something. So the question is, will we smell like Jesus because of the Spirit bearing fruit in our lives, the love, joy, peace, and everything that, that follows? So that's where we've been, and we're going to step into this famous passage on the armor of God today. Before we go any further, would you pray with me, please? Lord, we thank you that we are not left alone that you have promised and fulfilled your promise to come and be with us, be in us. We thank you for all the, all the love and grace and mer mercy that you slather on us and, and your patience with us as we, as we in fits and starts try to walk like you, try to look like you, but then fail and come back uh, asking for forgiveness. But we also praise you for, for the progress you have made, for the lives you have changed, for how you have changed us, and we pray that all of it points to you. We pray your blessing on this, on this reflection today as we, uh, as we look at the bigger picture of, of your kingdom and our role in it. Uh, we pray for you to open our eyes and nudge us and convict us uh, in the steps you would have us take. Spirit, pour out your gift of, of teaching and preaching upon, you, upon me and, and anoint all of us with your presence and with your, uh, with, with your intervention in our spirits as we hand this time over to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So this is a famous passage. We're all familiar with it, very likely. And um, I, I, I disagree with Paul. I think he ended with what he should have started with. The pray in the Spirit at all times uh, is, I think, something that is, is inferred and present in everything, but especially when it says at all times. So as we think about the presence of the Spirit and praying at all times, um, it, it reminds me of, if you remember, right when I got back from camp, we talked about the, the presence of the fob. If you have a newer car, your car will not run. Well, I mean, it won't run without the old-fashioned key either, but the fob is, is a different thing. It doesn't have to be in the keyhole. It just has to be present for the, for the car to work. And so, and so the Spirit has to be present in our lives as Christians for us to fulfill our destiny, for us to bear His image, for us to bear witness. And so... Um, so this this concept of um, this concept of of where is it? There it is. This concept of Wi-Fi, in terms of equating the Holy Spirit with Wi-Fi, is is something. Uh, just think about it. Just think about the number of signals just coursing through our flesh right now. Television stations, radio stations, and the Wi-Fi uh, from our modem in the back. And we can choose to join with that Wi-Fi or not. And if we don't, if you're trying to do something on your phone or your computer and you're not connected to the Wi-Fi, uh, you may have some cellular network stuff that works for you, but it's not going to be nearly as strong, as powerful uh, as, as it's designed to be as if you're connected to our Wi-Fi. And so I want to carry that, 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 uh, that concept of the presence, our being linked to the presence of the Spirit, kind of throughout these aspects of the armor of God as we talk about them, because it is the Spirit that empowers all of them, and the Spirit that makes them far better than us trying to do it on our own. Because Paul is making these commands to us, do this, put this on, wear this. Uh, but it's not about our power, it's about His because he talks about praying in the Spirit all the time at the end, and then he begins by saying, be strong in his power. So let's look at that, and, uh, but I do also want to mention, as he, uh, as he includes the, the make sure you keep everybody else in your prayers, uh, per, uh, persevere in supplication for all the saints, and saints in the New Testament is a reference to all the followers of Jesus not somebody who's lived a really great life. Um, although those, those are included, the reference to saints is, is not the, the hierarchical, hierarchical canonized uh, system um, that, that some people uh, 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 embrace, but uh, just a reference to everybody who follows Jesus. So, so in the very end and the beginning, we're reminded that this is something we're not doing alone to keep, keep the team on your radar and in your prayers. So Paul gives us a, a frame of reference earlier in Ephesians that speaks to the language that he uses here in Ephesians 6 about the kingdoms and authorities and the, and the, and the, and the expansive frame of reference he's speaking from. And so here, this lick in Ephesians 1, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, that 
that he lavished according to the riches of his grace on us. With all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So this expansive view that Paul is, is bringing to bear on, for the Ephesians and in this passage that, that we're looking at today, he is looking at, at the expanse of time and of reality, this, this plan that's, that's uh, ripening in the fullness of time and at heaven and earth at the same time. And so this, 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 this view of what this mystery of God's will that he has been waiting until now to display in Jesus that is going to reconcile, to gather up everything, things in heaven and on earth. We know that at now as he refers to things in heaven, he's also referring to um, the heavenly realms and the rulers he's talking about. Um, as, as a matter of fact, he uses the term heavenly realms five times in Ephesians. So he has this expansive view on his mind, and he wants us to see what's going on behind the scenes. Uh, you probably know the story in 2 Kings 6, where Elisha and his assistant are there, and Elisha asks God to show his protege who's really there. And so the chariots and horses of fire are visible to, to his uh, assistant there. And Paul, in this passage, is trying to help us realize that we find ourselves not only within an epic love story, but in an epic battle, a war, in fact, between good and evil, and our, and our Father and our Master Jesus and the Spirit are at war with the evil one. Uh, and so, in the language that he uses uh, of this spiritual warfare that we are in the midst of, he begins by reminding us that it's his strength that will conquer, not ours. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. And we will go through, the, we, we will go through that, that text um, um, in the course of the morning here. But uh, it, it, sound, it will sound to Paul very much like uh, God's, Yahweh's words to Joshua, be strong and courageous in the Lord, and that, 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 urge, that urging of Yahweh to Joshua to do not fear, trust in me, I am with you. And the, the recurring, uh, <clears throat> if you've listened to, to the podcast at all, the recurring theme of the kings that crash and burn are the ones that trust in their own power and their own wisdom. They don't check in with Yahweh and ask for his ask for his guidance and blessing. They do it all on their own. And so as, as Paul urges us to do all these things that are coming, he starts with be strong in the Lord and in his incomparably great, great power. And part of being strong is not being frightened or dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is not fear. And as we look through these things that could be scary, the, the, the powers and authorities he refers to 
they could be scary, but they're not because dad's with us and he's, you know, he's bigger, he's bigger than everything and anything the enemy has to give us. And so Paul asks for our, the, the eyes of our hearts to be enlightened in order that we may know his incomparably great power for us who believe. The power in us is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in, there they are, the heavenly realms far above, and this is referring to, to all the powers that, that Paul just referenced, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. So Paul is syncing up the future and the present, the already and the not yet, as what's going on in his kingdom, in, in Jesus' kingdom, right now. So that's just some of the context for this discussion of the armor that he tells us to, to put on, to take up the whole armor of God, not just our favorite pieces, to take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on the evil day and having prevailed against everything to stand firm. Assuming that the powers and authorities that he's referenced are going to target us and we are going to be in the battle and to go into it understanding our, our gifts that God has given us in all these specific aspects of what he describes. And, and so the, um, uh, the image of Yahweh in battle armor occurs a few times earlier in scripture, I think Paul has on his radar this image from the book of Isaiah that talks about Yahweh, that Yahweh looked and was displeased that there was no justice, he saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene, so his own arm achieved salvation for him and his own righteousness sustained him. He put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. And we're not going to pick that apart in detail, but just this image of Yahweh uh, dressing himself for battle and, and battling his, his enemies with these Similar devices is something that, that Paul uses to great effect and, and power in, in these images in Ephesians as, as we are given armor similar to that which Yahweh himself uses in the book of Isaiah. So these are significant gifts that he's, that he's giving us. So the, let's just go through these items in, in items in order really quickly in terms, of, um, in terms of these specific things. So take up the whole armor of God so that you'll be able to withstand on the evil day and having prevailed against everything to stand firm. Stand therefore and belt your waist with truth. And I could just talk about the belt of truth for the rest of the day. Um, and actually, each one of these, honestly, I, I considered just briefly making this a whole series and giving each piece its own Sunday. But, um, but we, we talked about truth in, uh, in class a little bit. Um, a lot of times when we've read this uh, in, in the past, truth is, is the right answer. Truth is, is what you beat your opponent in a debate with. 
And truth, truth is, is the, the truth I think that, that he's talking about here is not the debate-winning truth. It's the truth of who we are. It's the truth of who God is. Uh, it's not, not, not that doctrine is unimportant, but the truth he's talking about here is, is the nature of who he is and who we are. Uh, truth versus the father of lies. Right, and we'll talk about that more in a minute. But um, it's it's been a long time ago uh, already that, that Beth Moore bases a uh, a really powerful um, and compact lesson on the on the armor of God, uh, specifically flowing from His truth, but other aspects of it. And I learned about it from Cynthia, and rather try to put it together and present it myself. I'd like to ask her to come up and and summarize Beth Moore's uh, teaching on the armor of God and, the, and his truth. And Take it away. I think some of you have heard this before because I think I've talked, talked about it. But um, So this is, this is our shield of faith, right, is our hand. And so when you, if you can put your hand out and put your thumb out like this, this is part of our shield of faith. This is God is who he says he is, right? Um, God can do what he says he can do. I am who God says I am. Because, you know, in the middle. And then I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I can remember that because I can't get that finger up by itself. <laughs> so, um, and then God's word is alive and active in my life. And so um, when we are confronted with Satan's lies, when we are at a point where uh, we are feeling temptation or don't know what to do, when we feel like we're, we're Peter losing our faith, you know, we can say, nope, God is who he says he is. God, no, God is who he says he is. God can do what he says he can do. I am who God says I am. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And God's word is alive and active in my life. And so I was, so I was raised in, oh, I went to high school in the 80s. And there was a big saying in the 80s, just give it the hand, right? <laughs> so this is your shield of faith. When you come up to, with something, you just give it the hand and say, nope, this is who I am in Christ. So if you want me to write those five things down, I can put them in the Facebook page or all that. Let me know. Okay. And we should sing a hymn and go home now. That was, that's, that's awesome. It's so, so powerful, simple, but, but uh, really holds a lot. And I want to latch on to the... What's that? I'm believing God. I'm, I'm going to believe God. Because it's, it's grounded in the truth, the truth of who God is, who we are. Uh, and, and if you were part of our relationship uh, workshop, we focused on those truths quite a bit. Because... Especially in our relationships. And so the truth is not that we are damaged goods. The truth is not that we're a failure. The truth is not 
anything that Satan is whispering in your ear to paralyze you and keep your focus on yourself instead of being liberated by the truth of who God says you are, that you're accepted, loved, worthy, significant, known, all of these things that he deeply values us. If he cares about those scrawny little sparrows in my backyard, um, we're worth more than many sparrows, he says. And so the truth of how deeply each one of us is valued is the core that everything else flows from. So uh, that breastplate of righteousness, uh, we have the belt of truth, and the breastplate of righteousness is, is something that, that we wear that is part of our looking like him, right? It's in resisting temptation, we're walking like him. Last week in Galatians 5, you know, Paul says, here's a list of the works of the flesh. Those are obvious, and here is the fruit of the Spirit. And so by walking in the, in the Spirit, uh, that, that breastplate of righteousness is, em, is empowered by his presence. Uh, that just we, we talked about keeping in step with the Spirit as the Spirit empowers our ethics, our choices, how we live. And so the righteousness of our lives, empowered by the Spirit, protects us, but it also is part of our bearing witness part of our bearing his image. And moving on, also we're wearing the breastplate of righteousness and lacing up our sandals is actually the, the figure in Greek. Uh, you're, you're, you may be, have something that says fit your feet or feet fitted for, for the gospel of peace. It's lace up your sandals in preparation for the gospel of peace. There's, there's this sense of, of here I go getting ready to, to go out and and walking in confidence. If you think about the, if you think about the 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 time that this is written, and just we are used to concrete pavement and and things like that, and not that the Romans weren't great at paving roads by any means, but the importance of footwear is something that that we kind of take for granted, but was extremely important, especially if you're going to be in battle as a soldier. You wanted to have confidence that you didn't have to worry about where you were stepping. You could step with confidence in, in, in your feet being protected. And so just that little aspect that we take for granted is, I think, where Paul is going in terms of <clears throat> standing firm. But also this image, these, <laughs> these boots are made for walking. Uh, the, the sandals are, are made also to travel on. And so Isaiah also talks, uses almost this same, uh, this, this same image, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of the messenger who announces peace, who brings good news, who announces salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. We sing a song by Twyla Paris, how beautiful uh, the feet that bring the joy of good news and the love of the king, she's referencing uh, this passage in Isaiah directly, and how the sharing of the gospel is part of standing firm against the devil's schemes. The best defense, as they say, is a good offense. This is not us cowering in fear and suffering attack. This is us stepping forth in boldness 
and sharing the gospel, sharing the gospel of peace, empowered by the Spirit as we bear witness. And we also wear the shield of faith. With all of these, take the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And so our, our faith is, uh, is also related to truth because what we are believing is what, we are, is, what is forming our, our frame of reference, is, is what's forming the, the foundation of everything else. So this is strongly related to truth, just like Beth Moore kind of puts them together in, in that image, in, in that model. And... Um, our faith in God's truth is our point of view, and it's, it's, it's the reason that whatever the devil throws at us is ineffective, because we know better. We can, we can hear it and say, well, that's a lie from Satan, because the truth is, and we can go back to the list we had earlier. Something also that's important about the design of a shield, if anybody's a Lord of the Rings fan, uh, the elves have their shields uh, just like, just like, in many ways, uh, a lot like Roman, uh, Roman shields in that they are designed to not necessarily hook directly together, but to be used in conjunction with the next shoulder's, next soldier's shield, say that three times fast, um, to, to form this barrier of protection for all of them, both in front and above in terms of the arrows or the javelins or things coming from the enemy. And so just by using this shield, if you're, if you, if you're living back then, you, you know that aspect of it as well. It's not just me and my shield, it's us and our shields of faith bound together, protecting us as a community from the devil's from the devil's uh, um, darts or, or the, uh, I can't remember what our text is, flaming arrows of the, of the evil one. Some translations say darts, some t- say, say um, arrows. But w- once again, this, uh, this shield of faith is also a direct reference to Yahweh using a shield in Psalm 35. David writes this, contend Yahweh, with those who contend with me, fight against those who fight against me. Take up shield and armor, arise and come to my aid, brandish spear and javelin against those who pursue me. Say to me, I am your salvation. So this image of of warfare is something that's woven throughout uh, the scripture, but also uh, we, we get to take up the same things that Yahweh does and be empowered by his spirit in doing so. So next we take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of the Lord. So the helmet of salvation, what is that protecting? It's protecting our head. And, you know, in in our modern times, we can think about guarding our minds and our thoughts, that that the... the Spirit is, is, um, is protecting us from, uh, uh, from the influence, uh, from all kinds of influences. If, if we think about everything that, everything that comes into us um, through our senses and through our understanding, it's, uh, it's huge. Also, 
our, once again, our identity is derived from, um, from our salvation, this helmet of salvation. Who, <clears throat> who I am as a child of God is, is my understanding of my relationship with the universe is directly uh, related to my understanding of his having saved me. My salvation is the core of who I am. And so it, the helmet of salvation, the role of salvation in our lives, isn't just saving our behinds, but it's, it's our identity as children of the king in all, the, in all the, the benefits and responsibilities that come with that. Yes, we are promised eternity at his side, but we are also called into a kingdom right here, right now, in which we are his ambassadors, in which we are called to smell like him, in which we are called to do battle against his enemy. And once again, when we think about the enemy, and we think about how badly it seems in Scripture that he wants to attack not so much us, but the Father and Jesus and I've said this before, but I always go back to my children and how much I care for them. You can call me names. I've been called, with a name mud, I've been called so many names in the course of my life. You know, sticks and stones can break my bones. Uh, you know, mess with me is, is kind of one level of interaction, but, but the, if you mess with my kids, you have crossed, you've crossed a line, and every parent in here knows exactly what I mean by saying that. And so the, uh, the enemy, I don't think, well, I think he, he hates us because of the level of relationship and, and blessing and everything that we're walking in. But I think he pursues us mostly to get at our Father, to get at our Savior. And, and so as we think about our identity as children of the King in this salvation that we're wearing, even the, uh, that, that puffy crest on there kind of ties into identity because that's how you could just glance at a group of Roman soldiers and know what rank all of them was. And if you wanted to, if you needed to talk with the one in charge, there were, then you knew which one to speak of, just speak to, just in terms of, in terms of identity flowing from, from this, this illustration that Paul uses. And then finally, of course, the sword of salvation, the sword of the, rather, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Of course, you hear this, and I don't know about you, but I go straight to Hebrews 4 in this passage. The Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joins from marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart, and before him no creature is hidden but all are naked and laid bare to the eyes of the one to whom we must render an account. In terms of my personal experience with, with the Word of God, it was, it was studying the Word that called me to Jesus. I had not really read the Bible, and when I began reading the Bible um, and, 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 and seeing the stories and seeing what it had to say about our lives now, that is what the Spirit used to, uh, to pierce my heart and, and call me uh, to, to the next level with him. 
And, and so the Spirit is bound up in the Scriptures. That is not the only place the Spirit is. If you hear me say anything in the course of these eight weeks, hear me say that the Spirit functions powerfully through the Scriptures and in many other ways as well. And we do, we insult him if we say that this is the only way he works in the Scriptures. Not saying he doesn't, it's very powerful. But he, uh, he can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. Um, but, but, but also, not to, to, not to denigrate the role of Scripture by any means, in fact, the passage that, uh, that Mike, read in, um, Mike, Mike read in communion, talking about Jesus being sent out into the wilderness to be tempted by, uh, by the enemy, Jesus' primary defense is Scripture in those instances. And so, the, but Scripture is also the, the primary, uh, once again, the best defense is a good offense. This is Isaiah talking about the role of the Spirit. Through him, listen to me, you islands, hear this, you distant nations. Before I was born, Yahweh called me from my mother's womb. He has spoken my name. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. Just that image of the Spirit working through speech, through the speech of, of Isaiah, the words that the Spirit would give him as a powerful counterpoint to Jesus using uh, Scripture as a defense, and Isaiah uh, being um, kind of the other side of that coin. And so we... Uh, I put Hebrews 4 in there twice. Um, and so, as we, uh, as we come back to praying in the Spirit at all times, being linked to the Wi-Fi of the Spirit of all times in every prayer and, and supplication, we are, we are reminded of the importance of the Spirit's role in every piece of armor we've just talked about from the belt and the breastplate, the, the, the sandals, our shields, our helmets. It's, it's all bound up with the Spirit, not just the sword, but certainly including the sword. And then, if there was ever any doubt that this was also about witnessing, Paul brings it all in for a landing by adding that after we're persevering in supplication for all the saints in the middle, his next words are, pray also for me, so that when I speak, a message may be given to me to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, which is just bound up in everything he's just had said in his thinking. A mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it boldly as I must speak. And so, as this, as this beautiful and dramatic uh, illustration of life in spiritual warfare, gifted with these, with these devices, with these protections, with these weapons by God and His Spirit's presence in our life, Paul talking about being able to, to declare the message, the gospel, boldly, makes it clear that, once again, these Pieces of armor are for our protection, but also for our, our 
stepping forward, our moving the line, our pressing back, our pushing back against the enemy. Not simply not, not giving in to temptation, but taking back the kingdom, taking back the creatures, the sons and daughters of God, and being active in spreading the gospel of peace in our witnessing. So the Spirit equips our witness in the midst of epic battle, protecting us, empowering us, and making sure that we know we are not alone in the fight. You might feel like you're alone sometimes, but once again, what God promises is more true than how I feel. And what does Jesus promise in John 14? I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you when you feel his presence. No. Be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. We are not alone in the battle. He is with us to bear witness to, to Jesus, to bear the image of God, and to not just stand firm, but take back the kingdom as he works in us and through us. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, we thank you and praise you and exalt you and, and are dumbfounded at the trust you place in us by giving us such... Uh, such noble appointments as to serve as your ambassadors, as to be in, in, your, in your heavenly hosts, to, to, uh, to battle beside uh, the angels that, that do battle against the enemy. Uh, we pray for your discernment spirits to open our eyes, just like Elisha prayed for his protege, to open our eyes, to see all that really is going on, or at least as much as we can handle, and help us to be uh, encouraged by your presence, emboldened by your presence, empowered by your presence in our lives. Lord, we pray for you to put on our hearts uh, a friend or a neighbor or a family member uh, that you seek to minister to through us, that you seek to speak your message of love and grace uh, through us. Uh, give us faith to trust in you and give us the words as you've promised. Bless us in our walk with you to, to take all these aspects of our life on, to be protected by your presence and to be changed and sent by your power. Hear our prayers, Lord, as we hand ourselves over to you, asking you to glorify your name through us. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Oak Haven Church. We are located at 2175 Witzel Avenue in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. To hear previous podcasts, visit our website at oakhavenchurch.net.